Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast. My name is Brent Davis, and I will be your host for today's podcast. So this podcast is all about talking to coaches and coaches from all sorts of walks of life and hearing their stories. So we're fortunate enough today to have Mike Fay on the line. So Mike, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for coming in and having a chat with me. Oh, it's great. Thank you so much for asking me, Brent. I'm honored. Mate, it's um, it's 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 a privilege to have you here. We've um, obviously spent some time together over the over the journey, but um, I want to hear a bit about your story. So tell everyone out there about yourself. Well, I am the director of player performance here at the Boyne Golf Academy in Northern Michigan. Uh, it is that cold, that cold place of the world. Right now, it's very cold. In the summertime, it could be one of the best places in the world to live. Um, it's beautiful in the summertime here. And uh, I got here. Uh, I've been here for 12 years now. Um, okay. Previous to that, I was in New Jersey for seven. And before that, I was in Michigan for five. I did graduate from the New Mexico State Professional Golf Management Program. Yeah. And uh, became a PGA member uh, back in 1997. You're starting to show and, your age um, now, talking about that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're a little bit older, yeah. But... Um, you know, I'm involved in in all the social media and website building and, and player development and stuff like that. I I think it's absolutely fantastic uh, being able to use technology to help people. Yeah, play it's, better. Um, it, it is cool, and we're certainly going to cover that off because you've got a pretty um, pretty cool story to talk about with your social media stuff. But um, tell me about tell me about getting started in golf. How did you get started in golf? Sure. Yeah, my dad uh, introduced me to the game uh, back at an early age. I didn't really take it seriously until okay. I was probably preteen. Um, started to play in some golf tournaments and stuff like that, and really, uh, it was a third or fourth sport for me. You know, I was a baseball player, uh, football, basketball, all that kind of stuff, and, and playing golf. And you know, I found myself in in high school uh, after playing football for so many years and, and beating my head in, to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, I had to kind of make a choice because in Michigan, uh, I grew up outside the Detroit area. Um, and Michigan uh, golf and football were in the same season, so I had to really choose what I wanted to do. And by the time I got to be a freshman in high school, I chose golf. And uh, that's how it was. Pretty common thing, and I'll be, I'll be curious on, on your sports because we have we – have, Obviously, golf in Australia is a bit different because it tends to be a 12-month-of-the-year type of sport, but players do get to that uh-huh. age where they do need to need to choose if they're playing different sports and um, schedules tend to cross over. So, um, obviously, you explained how you how you dealt with that. You chose golf, but ha- how do you deal with that with your, your players having to choose different sports? Do you have any guidelines or any thoughts on when they should be choosing? Well, it's usually right around that age, you know, 13 ish 14 ish somewhere around there well where yeah. are we going to devote most of our time brent um you know going into it you know you're thinking about this and a lot of the kids are, are choosing sports are, are on the opposite seasons right and yeah uh, for instance with girls golf you've got uh girls golf in the fall and then in, in the spring you've got softball so yep. naturally, you're going to see uh, some of the golfers graduate, you know, graduate or you know, try to get towards that way. Uh, I think that you know that's a good thing for coaches to try and do. I think it's very, very important to play be multi sport athlete. Um, yeah, but then once once it gets to that point where what are you going to devote most of your time to, and it really depends upon what type of player you are, right? Yeah. And do you have a chance at getting a college scholarship or not? Um, are you playing the game for fun? Are you playing the pl- game as competitive? Right. And uh, that kind of stuff. So, you know, as kids grow and, and they tend to figure out what they're really good at, um, they can do that stuff, you know, and I help them and help them guide them through that decision, whether they're going to play one sport or another. Yeah, for sure. Now, with the invent over the last few years, Brent, of being able to to do indoor golf and work on your game over the winter, um, 
that has definitely helped yeah, our golf teams here. In, in, in the place like that. But I, I just keep telling you, move to Australia and you won't have to worry about all that, all that, all that snow. But, um, well, yeah. we, never, we never really had that choice, you know, especially where I live versus Detroit area. Detroit area, at least you had some golf domes, stuff like this. This is pre-before golf simulators. You had a net maybe and that was it, right? Well, when I was growing up, we, we had golf domes where they inflatable domes and, you know, soccer would be played in there. Golf would be played in there. But where, where I live, which is about four hours north of Detroit, you couldn't sustain dome. The weather and with how much snow we get averaging way over 100 inches a, a year of snow, it couldn't sustain a, a golf dome. So the technology has really helped develop the game of golf in the wintertime. And, and we harp on it a lot, right, with the podcast about trying to work on your game in the wintertime because it pays dividends because our season's so short, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's um it's, it's but again just just going back to quickly to those different different sports so all the sports science shows that mm-hmm. players should be playing different sports as kids and all that all that crossover patterns mm-hmm. certainly certainly helps but um being able to having that having that choice made is i think is um is, is a tough time to actually it's a tough thing to actually do when you when you do have to make that choice but um it sounds like you've got some pretty good strategies in place for the for those players that you're that you're coaching through there no, I help, you know, yeah, exactly. I help, I help the parents. I help the kids make the right decisions. And if they don't yep. choose golf, that's fine, you know, but, uh, it, it devoting the amount of time you have to with all these sports, right? I mean, I look at the kids that play soccer and how much time they devote to the sport. It's not unlike golf. Yeah, it it's is. a lot of time, right? And so being able to, you know, pick something once you get to that age, but going into the development phase, absolutely pick anything and everything. You know, we, we talk like this with the kids, find your passion. What do you love to do? What is so much fun, right? And once something becomes unfun and, and becomes a, a, you know, something that you don't like to do, kids quit. And that's tough, yeah, exactly. man. It's tough to see exactly. them quit. Do you find that you that you are you are you do get parents that keep pushing those kids into those sports if they aren't having fun? Sometimes. How do you deal with that? Absolutely, it just, yep. it's a tough conversation to have when when you got to say, "Hey, you know, so and so is not having so much fun." You know, I'm trying to make it as fun as possible. I just don't know if he or she likes it enough to continue doing this because this is what is needed and required if they want to play college golf. But if they don't, fine, just let me know so I know how to yeah, teach them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So we got to kind of go through that that way because every player is different. <laughs> There's no, like, excuse me, curriculum of exactly what every player has to go through because every person's different, yeah. right? There is. And every parent's different out there as well. Absolutely. So how, you, how, you, how you cope with those parents can certainly be a challenge for, for a sport coach. So. Well, one of the things with parents too, Brent, and we've talked about a lot, is educating parents. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think it's a big role to educate parents on what it really takes to, to play college sports. If you if you get them on side from the start, I think that certainly helps. If you get them on the same page as you mm-hmm. as a coach, then that can certainly make a huge difference down the tracks. Is, um, but if they're if they're fighting you from the from the start, that can certainly make it tougher as you go along. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If they, it has to be one team, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And it's um it can be challenging sometimes as well. So that's um that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got to that stage where you had to choose golf, and then went from where from there. So did you go play college golf somewhere, or what was the uh, high school golf? Is? I played golf. I yeah, I played high school golf. Um, you know, made it through high school and became all state and all that kind of stuff, and. And I decided that uh, I was going to take a year and and play for my local community college and find out what I wanted to do because I didn't really play well until my junior and senior year. And by then, a lot of the golf scholarships have been given away. And and a lot of the coaches were coming to me saying, you know, hey, go go play at your local at that time, 
your local community college and then and then we'll have another look and see how you're doing you know and then maybe i can yeah, get yeah. you a scholarship then yep. this is a long time ago right this is before <laughs> yeah, online and all this stuff right old school stuff right before they knew all this stuff so you know i decided to go play for my community college you know made uh you know played really well did some good stuff and and during that year i decided that i i wanted to try and make off a profession and one of the things that intrigued me about going to a professional golf management school was that you also got a degree, a, a bachelor's thing. degree in it's marketing. A good thing because as we are well aware of, being able to survive as a player is a, is a pretty um, small chance. So having that, that qualification to go back to is certainly a good thing. Right. And we all have dreams about playing the PGA Tour and stuff like that. But this oh. was kind of, to me, an insurance policy uh, to know that, yeah. you know, if I was not going to be a golf pro or not teach golf or not run golf courses or not be involved in the game of golf at all, I had something that could, you know, sustain me for the rest of my life having a college degree. Yeah. And uh, that's why I made that decision. Plus, you know, I'm one of the first, if not the first graduate from New Mexico State's professional golf management program from Michigan. Which is a big deal because we have Ferris State University here, which is really the first professional golf management school in the country. And uh, at the time, there was only three schools to choose from when I applied, and, and I got in at New Mexico State and Ferris and a bunch of other universities too that were getting in. But uh, you know, I, I decided sense. I wanted to to do this and try this and play golf year round because down in New Mexico, I could play golf for a lot more time yeah. than here in Michigan. So yeah, absolutely. So, you know, all those, everything was, there was a lot of d decisions to be made, you know, and thinking about it that way, that's what we wanted to do. Uh, went through the golf management program. Um, did my co-ops, which really gave me an idea, a, a co-op or internship, I guess it was called now. Uh, idea of different facilities, different types of places to work. Yeah. Found some stinkers, found some good <laughs> ones, and uh, found out different things about the business, what I liked, didn't like, stuff like that. And uh, wound up coming home here, started my career here. Uh, uh, played very, very well in Michigan. Ended up getting my job in New Jersey. A lot of it was because yeah. of that. Uh, spent seven years there and then, and then, you know, had to make some decisions. We had, uh, had a daughter and, and decided to come home with my daughter here oh, in Michigan and share her with all her relatives. So that's why well, that's we're back home. And that's, and that's uh, probably emphasizes how important it is to have that family support around you. So if you've got a, a career that's starting to take off and that having that family support is certainly a, a handy tool to have. So that's, um, that's, that's pretty cool. It was huge to be back home. Um, yeah. I didn't realize how much support and stuff that we missed until we were home. For, and, and at the same time, you know, with brother-in-law and sister-in-laws, you know, in-laws and that, uh, their lives changing with me being an, an uncle and, and my wife being an aunt and all those things. It, it was good. We're, we're seeing everything happen as we grow up, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, so tell me a little bit about all these awards that you picked up over the over the journey, 25 years of being a, being a teaching professional out there and mm -hmm. a heap of different awards. So Teacher of the Year three times, is that correct? Yeah. That's right. So talk me through the process of picking up that teacher award. Is that a um, – do you submit something to yeah, for that or does it come through the state committee or how does that actually work in, in the states? Yeah, uh, in Michigan, in our, our section of the PGA of America, um, we have a number of different awards that we give. One is for our chapter which is the Northern Michigan PGA chapter of Michigan. Yep. Uh, that's one type of award. And, and then there's other state awards as well for, for Michigan. And then there's national awards uh, that, that don't involve the PGA of America, like uh, U.S. Kids Golf and, and uh, Future Champions Tour and stuff like that. So the, those awards are national awards uh, for, for the work we've done. Um, 
chapter wards are the Michigan section of the PGA is divided up in three separate chapters, northern chapter, eastern, and western. There's a very big difference between all of them, uh, not only distance, but the amount of, of professionals in there um, just because of where we live and, and stuff like that. So it's, uh, I'm honored that, you know, it's really cool to see your peers, it you is. know, name you those things. And I would tend to argue as a, as a golf coach myself that I would prefer to be honored by my peers as opposed to the general public. I think, um, the guys that have got that information behind the scenes, if they're seeing that you're doing a good job, that, um, is pretty powerful, um, to have. It's very, very powerful. You know, I, I love the, I love all the awards. It's great. I'm, I'm very, very blessed. Um, but you're right. Having it, it's very special when, when your peers that see you and know what you're doing and all that stuff, uh, give it credit for the work you've done. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Um, just tied into that, I've, um, I'm aware that you've picked up a player development award just recently. Um, mm-hmm. How is that different to Teacher of the Year, and what does that entail, picking up that award? Yeah, it was a 2019 Michigan PGA Player Development Award. It's it's a uh, it's also a national award too. So whoever wins this section has you know opportunity to win the national award. Um, player development is is pretty different from Teacher of the Year. Um, it's about growing the game of golf straight away. Teacher of the Year has, you know, a lot of other things about who you're teaching, things like that, how many hours you're teaching, things like that. So it, it is a total different award. So, yeah, it's uh, the, the Player Development Award is the second time I've won awesome. this in my career. Um, I'm pretty blessed i think having having that um type of uh award on your shelf is certainly certainly very very cool because it's it just proves that you are actually um out there growing the game as as also as opposed to just teaching it you're actually getting out there and doing some grassroots stuff and getting kids involved and doing that type of type of stuff as well so that's um that's awesome yeah it's it's all that stuff absolutely brent you know you're a part of that award and what we do and it's it's pretty cool so talk me through some of the actual programs that you run where you're at and um yeah how you how you go about your coaching in general well from a development perspective um let's start out with um the first tee of northern michigan uh i am a board of directors member of the first tee um when when I started with the first tee, we had one location at Boyne Highlands. Um, now we it used to be the first tee of Boyne Highlands. Now it's the first tee of Northern Michigan. So now we have a bunch of locations all throughout northern part of Michigan. Um, and then helping to grow that and get more kids to, you know, learn life skills through the game of golf. That's really where the foundation of our golf education program starts. Then after that, as uh, kids begin to develop, we have something called the Learn the Game program, which I host at Boyne Mountain. Um, that, That one is pretty cool because it involves community. And we get sponsors for golf events that we host. We have a uh, Boyne Mountain Junior Cup tournament series that gives the kids points based upon their finishes in it, just like the FedEx Cup point series does. And it's based upon their finish in their age bracket. And no matter how old the kids are, um, anyone can win the cup. So it doesn't have to be the 15 year old kid. It could be the five year old kid that beats every five to seven year old in his age bracket. He'll get his name on the cup. Um, and you have it on there forever. I've been doing that since 2008. Um, they play a couple events when they play with partners with a family member, and then they play a couple, couple events with themselves just themselves. Um, Last one that I have is a global putting championship for all the kids. 
at night. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in the dark, and the kids have absolute blast with it. Um, if I didn't have all the hopefully not this time of year. Yeah, not this time of year. No, but uh, if I, <laughs> no. you know, in fact, I have to watch that because we have such little kids, right? I I have to host it actually uh, in uh, beginning of September because it. It uh, it's gets darker sooner, and then that way these little ones don't have to be up until 11 o'clock at night. Like we've talked about yeah, in Michigan, it, it gets yeah. dark pretty late, so we have to wait till later yeah. on in the year to host it. But, um, you know, if I didn't have all the parents' support with doing the, the Learn the Game program, uh, I couldn't run it. Having them run the kids all around the golf courses, getting them out playing, having them go around the practice facility with me, um, this, just the local business support to sponsor these events that we have for prizes and other things that they do, yeah. you know, put it up there. I, I couldn't do it. Um, it's been pretty neat to watch it grow and get better and better. And the kids just absolutely love it. That's awesome. So it's fine. So after those, after that kids programs, how does it, how do you players progress through from there? What's the next step in your, in your programs? Yeah. Next step from the learn the game program is, uh, the, uh, Boyne Nike junior camps. And we host kids from all around the world that come stay with us for a week. Well, it's about Sunday through Thursdays throughout the summer. It runs for six weeks long. We've taught kids from, heck, we had Spain's national team oh, one wow. time come, which was really cool. And they brought an interpreter and everything because I don't know Spanish very good. <laughs> and uh, they helped me through it, and it was pretty awesome. But we've had kids from all over the world come to uh, Boyne Highlands for that. And... These are kids that are older. Some are, we have a competitive part to it called advanced camps. And then we have all abilities all thrown in. The goal is to get the kids there on all abilities to move into advanced as they progress their game and get better. Uh, yeah. Starts at 10 years old um, and then up till 17. So that's the next progression, the stages of education at Boyne. So, you know. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool as they start to go. And then during that time, as the kids start to mature and get to 13, 14 years old and they start to play high school golf, it's more about private coaching programs I put the kids on and giving them the track towards college golf. Yeah. And each kid is different like we were talking about earlier and it's pretty neat. Um, I'm just curious. You, you said you had the, the the Spanish team over there. Is that, uh -huh. that a common common thing in the states? I know when I was in when I was coaching in Taiwan with the national squad, we came over to the to the states, and we stayed uh -huh. at Oak Valley in California, and that was uh -huh. um, we we stayed there for five or six weeks and and played tournaments. Is that something that's a common thing there where you'll host um, players from different countries? Absolutely. Yeah, it happens a lot. I mean, you can tell a lot of the golf schools down, especially down in Florida, do that even more. And kids will come and stay at, you know, these academies and actually have schooling there and stay there. Okay. Um, but to come for just a week, uh, you know, Spain's national junior team, they are coming for us to a week and then going to another academy the next week and then going to another academy. And that's, that's the way that they run their team. Well, that um, pretty cool. Uh, traveling a lot. <laughs> it is, it is, but it's that has to be powerful for the kids at your place as well because they're seeing what these high level players are doing and how they go about it and how they play, and they can they can start to benchmark themselves against that that high performance player. That that has to be a pretty cool chance for your guys. It is. It's uh, it's pretty important. You know, we've we've taught a bunch of state champions and stuff like that from all over. Um, gathering them together in the advanced camp situation where the kids play for the Nike Cup and they play a, a like a Ryder Cup style tournament throughout the week is really cool for them. Yeah. You know, we divide them up in the teams, have an opening ceremony the night that they get there. They'll have a pizza party, the whole deal. I mean, it is... And this happens for six weeks throughout the summer. And uh, we have a yeah, closing ceremony, have the scoreboard up there, have, you know, all these pictures and movies and, 
you know, we use things like coach now to keep them in contact with the parents and showing them exactly what the kids are doing throughout the week and what they're eating and what they're doing and what they're learning. Awesome. It's, it's a really cool thing. So there's some awesome programs head up there. We had a similar thing in, in um, at Oak Valley. We had a, a team in China which had to do, the, some Chinese players and some Taiwanese players against this Southern California uh, PGA junior team, and they played that kind of mm-hmm. same kind of match. And uh, the kids loved it. It's just it's great to experience that that team play. It, um, as, as as you're aware, golf can be a pretty um, singular sport. So being able to have that team environment is is pretty cool. No, it's huge. It get, binds the kids together, gets them together very, very fast, especially if they're coming from all over different parts of the country or world. Yeah. Um, it gets them some camaraderie. One thing that I found that is amazing that the kids begin to follow each other with social media and they become lifelong yeah. friends. And then they say, you know, hey, let's go to camp together next year. You know, and that's priceless. It is, it is. It, it just, it, again, it comes back to being able to connect with so many people so easily these days through through social media channels and that kind of stuff as well. So that's um, that's uh, that's awesome. And, it, 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 and again, it just shows how uh, sport can be used to bridge those gaps between different cultures, different countries, different even different states. Mm-hmm. Um, I know um, there's certainly issues between different types of people around the world. So obviously um, sport is a great way to bridge those gaps, which is really cool. Yeah, it's neat. So tell me about I'm, – I'm keen to hear about gears and how you use gears in your coaching program. You have gears mm-hmm. set up, obviously, at your coaching facility. Mm-hmm. And it's um, for those that aren't aware of what gears is, explain how it actually works. Yeah, Gears is a 3D motion capture system that we use where people put on a suit with a bunch of markers on it that uh, they walk into a room, a 3D room, and they're picked up and and their body is made into an avatar of what they're doing with the golf club and and themselves. Um, Really, that's a simple way to explain it. It's the same technology they use to make movies like Avatar and things like that with the actors, with the dots all over them and the way they move their mouth and move their body and all this other stuff. And then they go in and with the artist and paint the, you know, do the graphics for it. Um, It's really, really cool technology to educate people, uh, not just from teaching perspective, but show them why their golf clubs, you know, don't fit them or all these other things that we do with it. Um, Gears is in Michigan here. It's the only place that has gears in Michigan. So um, it's pretty neat to be able to have it here. It's awesome. Yeah. So, how did you get down? How did you head down that path as a coach? So, obviously, you were checking out different 3D capture systems mm-hmm. out there, and there's obviously a few different ones out there. So, what, uh, what, took you down the gears path that as opposed to some of the other ones that are possibly a bit on the cheaper side yeah the the gears um thing fascinated me to show people especially that they come here and being at a resort that's four hours north of detroit to, to have a really awesome experience yeah and to really learn a lot in a short period of time and uh, that's that's one of the things that I love about Gears is that you can go. The light bulb really comes on because being able to see it in 3D from above your head or behind you or wherever, different angles, being able to educate people quicker is, is always good, yeah. right? And uh, it, it has helped my career a lot. Helped me to learn, actually. Brent, more yeah, and, and I was, I was, I was going to head down that path as well. So I've spent some time with some three D guys over over the years, and um, you learn so much from those guys. And just being able to coach with those systems and being able to see what they, how the body's actually moving, as opposed to what you think it's doing, is um, is a really powerful tool as a coach. It's uh, it's huge. You know, like I said, I I video is one thing. This is like times a thousand. And yeah. it it doesn't take a million swings on gears to see what problems are, which I really enjoy. You know. Yeah. And have you found that it's uh, improved the coaching time? So it's improved your ability for your students to be able to, to apply changes quicker. 
Absolutely. Sure. You know, um, I, the biggest reaction I get out of people when they're on gears, Brent is, uh, I, I can't believe I, I do that. Okay. That's what I hear. Yeah. Um, they may not see it like that on video, but to see it from above their head or from wherever. And then, you know, there's always going to be a comparison. We've done it forever, right? He put up the comparison <laughs> of a tour player versus someone else or whatever, and everybody swings different and everybody does this. But if we can get closer to somewhere around here, we're going to get better. Yeah. And uh, that's the that's the ultimate goal. You know, one of the things I use gears for is for golf fitness. Yeah. You know, and show people they're not moving very well and, and why. <laughs> and then you know, through TPI, being able to show them that they can and give them an estimation of when I think they can be it through their work and getting their body better, that their golf swing will get better. And that's pretty cool to be able to do too, right? So I'm like, yeah. if you can't turn your body just because your body can't turn, well, then there's going to be a problem with the golf swing. There's going to be a problem with your contact. There's going to be a problem with whatever. And you know, being able to see, is it the body, is it the golf club or is it both or is it the club fitting or is it whatever? And right away we can tell on gears what it is. Awesome. Uh, how do you find that the players can uh, players apply it after they leave the coaching session? Do you find that it helps them out in the course by themselves or do they need a, a few different sessions through the gears program to be able to improve the actual swing? Right. I mean, when I'm, when I have players on coaching programs, okay, we're talking about adults here. Um, gears, I use gears probably once a month, once every six weeks with them because it takes time to change, right? Yeah. And so if, if I'm doing a developmental program where it's not just one lesson where someone's coming in to see me, if I'm seeing someone on a regular basis, let's say every week, um, like I said, every four to six times I'll use gears with them just to show them the difference. Um, and that's, that's how I do it. It's, you know, I use TrackMan more than that. Yep. A lot of times I won't be using TrackMan all the time, especially if I'm seeing the player every day. Uh, or every week, I should say, excuse me, you know, uh, whether I be uh, doing a track man combine with them or just monitoring ball flight, all that kind of stuff, you know, it takes time to change. And people understanding that fact is huge when they can, they can do that. And we can have goals set and say, okay, your path when we started was 12 degrees to the left and the club face was four degrees open. We want to make sure that we try and get it let's say less than three degrees, either one of them. That's a goal. You know, that kind of stuff as we're developing players, as we're working with more higher level players, people are playing professionally, the goals are totally different and they're a lot smaller and more minute. Yeah. Right? And, we, you know, in every player now, we've talked about it on our podcast that we're on the golf course a lot more than ever was with them over the last, 10 years. It's more and more time on the course. We used to just sit on the range, you know, 20 years ago, I'd just be on the range. Now we're on the course. So it's different. So as a coach, you prefer to sign players up for long-term coaching programs as opposed to doing individual golf coaching lessons these days. Is that where you tend to go now? I do. It's more fulfilling for me, Brent. Yeah. It's fun to watch. I get to watch it more. <laughs> I want to be in the action. Yeah. You know, I want to see it change. I, I, that's why I love my job is because I can watch people fix it. So, you know, they're fixing it. I'm just pointing it out yeah. to them. It's not my, my job to fix it. It's theirs. And if they have the time to be able to do it, they'll be able to do it. But to be able to see them hit a draw. I mean, today I was in there teaching and saw a kid turn one over for the first time and he stopped hitting it in the heel and hitting it way right. And then he's like, Oh my gosh, that's what that feels like. That felt so good. You know, that's fun for me. Yeah. It is. And a big smile, I'm sure, as well. Absolutely. That, that kid's right. Right. Yeah. You know, no, that, put that, them in charge, true. right? Let yeah. them do it. So as a coach, you certainly don't suggest that we get out there and be coaching single half-hour golf coaching sessions anymore. We want to head towards that program-based um, coaching. 
I'd never tell anybody how to do a business, but I would recommend it's a lot more fulfilling doing it this way. Yeah. I enjoy it more. Yeah. I, I enjoy my, my job more instead of just one offs and then see you later and not knowing whether they play good or not or whatever, you know, <laughs> um, it's just more fun. No, I com- completely agree. So speaking of fun, I want to head down mm-hmm. the social media path with you now. So that's where I first came across you. Um, mm-hmm. It was with a, a, an awfully long hashtag called Ask the Pro, and that was, yeah. uh, that was a Twitter show that you started up. It ran for yeah. probably five or six years, didn't it, in the end, I think? You were- it did. So yeah, it went for a long why time. Why did you start doing that, and what was the thought process behind, behind starting Ask the Pro? You know, to be honest, I, I, uh, <laughs> we didn't even know what we were doing when we started. Okay. <laughs> um, it was at the infancy of hashtags and Twitter and stuff like that. And in fact, uh, we, I, I sent in for a branded hashtag okay. to Twitter, which apparently they didn't have any policy for that. <laughs> They didn't even know about this. And I said, I wanted to have this logo and be able to use the Twitter bird and all this stuff. And so we went back and forth. I went back and forth with Twitter. And finally, they approved a logo for us. I said, we let you use it. And I said, I told them what I was doing. They loved the idea. They thought it was awesome. And uh, (laughs) uh, the next couple of weeks later, we start to see the Twitter bird and the hashtag whatever NBC sports or hashtag golf or hashtag, you know, for the golf channel and all these other channels on TV. And you start being used because they didn't have any policy for that. So I don't know if I was the first one or not, but maybe I had a little influence on branding their Twitter account towards that. Um, and uh, being able to use it like that. And so, you know, the font and everything had to be the right and all this stuff approved by Twitter and stuff. And they loved it. And we used, we designed a logo and all these things with hashtag ask the pro. And that was the beginning of things. And I was, I'm, I'm very, very blessed to have all the support from guys like you and everyone around the world to start it because Without that, I wouldn't have all these people sending in their questions every week. And basically, the show went like this. I would ask people around the world to send in questions about the game of golf. And uh, it didn't have to be about golf instruction. could have been about anything. And then I would run the show, and I would send the questions out to some of the world's best, we called it. it. And some of the world's best actually did answer at different uh, times through the show. It was the... Who was the highest profile answer well, we got? I, I think know. we got one from did we get one from Jack Nichols at one point? Or someone like that? No, uh, we had we had Nick Faldo on a lot. We had yep. Annika Sorenstam on a lot. A lot of people. Um got involved cool. in Ask the Pro. I you know, I'll never forget meeting Annika and talking to her about it. She said that was awesome, you know, really, really cool. And you know, these guys get involved in it because they see that it grows the game of golf in a way that we never have been able to before. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it, it, it more than anything exposed some of the best teachers in the world that people never heard of and tied them all together to one thing that they knew what they're yeah. doing and how they could help people. And these people I had met just on Twitter, I never known you. We've never been in the same room together, right, Brent? And, uh, and you started writing for my website in 2012, you know, and we've never been together yet. I talk to you all the it's time. It's always been online, and, isn't it? Uh, it's always been that way. It's always been online, and I met all these great teachers and learned from them and tied things together. And, you know, it's not like we're in a huge populated place here. And uh, to have that outreach was really, really cool to be able to do that for that many years. And, you know, it's just neat. I I can't believe that that took off like it did. And it was so much fun. And, you know, now it's kind of morphed into different things, right? Yeah, well, you you have to be proud of that. You've you've taken that idea and you've gone with it and you've built it into this huge thing. Um, 
starting off with the hashtag Awesome Pro and it's gone into something even bigger now with your with your site and all different things like that. So talk me through how it how it progressed through from starting off a little Twitter show and, and going forward from there. Yeah, it got to the point with Twitter and, you know, everything goes in cycles and Twitter started to go down and the amount of people that were using it were going down and and that. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that video was coming and uh, we wanted to do something really cool. So we designed our own live stream and, um, you know, the MFG show was born a few years ago. It's starting to pick up more pace and we're doing it more often. Um, that has been fun and getting people engaged like that through live video seems to be the next step. I mean, the next step is going to be, you know, Hey, Alexa, you know, something (laughs) like that with voice, you know, um, I mean, you have to stay ahead of the ball game to, you know, I I go and I give social media talks and, and building business talks around and, you know, you got to stay ahead of the ball game. Where are your customers looking? And I've always talked about the power of the thumb. You know, you got to have control over somebody's thumb and where they're going with their phone and how am I going to get them in, you know, get my stuff into their phone and how are we going to do it? And uh, this seems like a fun way to be able to do it with the stream and People are digging it, so it is, and 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 um, it is. It it, it uh, it's an enjoyable type of show. It's it's quite fun to do, and it gets people interacting. That's definitely a good thing, I think. Um, you have your standard podcast, where as, as we're doing now, we're going to mm-hmm. tape this and send it out as an audio file. Um, but that ability to do it live is um is a is a pretty cool idea, and I was I, I was. It, excited to be involved with it and certainly happy that you that you asked me to come along and do some of those shows but um it's a pretty cool crew our our group of four that we come and have a chat but it's um it's it it is certainly good fun to be able to talk to people live as we do it it is it's very very cool people type in responses to us over you know we offer it on uh facebook and youtube and periscope and that and you know just engaging with them and what we want to talk about and they want to talk about and ask us questions and, and things like that is pretty neat. Um, just having fun with it. I think that the support for it has been really good. Um, and I enjoy it. I, I enjoy meeting with you guys every week and talking about the world's issues or about golf or anything. And that's, what's fun about this is that it doesn't have to be always about golf. It can be about anything and, uh, yeah. what's going on and, uh, helping people play better. It's yeah. Fun. So that's, um, that's pretty cool. So, um, tied into that as well is, uh, there's a few corporate partnerships you, you have set up as a, as a coach mm-hmm. in your business. So through hack motion and, uh, a, a few other ones, mm-hmm. Fosti sunglasses and a few other ones right. that are involved with with you. How did you come about doing that? How would you um, how did you start up that part of your business? Yeah, the uh, the partners that we have for Mike Fagoff, um, they all come f- from different ways um, through so a lot of it through social media. You know, they just contact me. Some of them contact me through LinkedIn. Some through email you know, stuff like that. And having those different partnerships are hugely important to be able to have those guys on our backs. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I'm blessed that they want to do that. So if someone was keen to head down that path themselves as a golf coach, it's just about getting yourself out there and building a profile to, to do be able to attract those type of companies? Yeah, building a profile. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I talk about, and you and I have talked about a lot, is being consistent, right? Yeah. Um, if if you put out one video and you get two likes on it, and you put out another video, excuse me, that you get six likes on it or four likes on it, you just can't stop. And that's what I learned through Astro. Yeah. Um, it was a continuous pounding every Sunday night for six, seven years. And we rarely took a break. Yeah. You know, and it went over and over and over again. And 
you know, it was always there. Oh, Sunday night, we're going to go on. Oh, Sunday night, we're going to go on. Well, we kept the same time slot. That's when we do our live stream, Sunday night, 9 o'clock, you know, and, and being very consistent about it and trying to do it then. Uh, it, it's huge. Whether you're going to have a some golf instruction that you're going to put on social media, do it every week. If you can do it more, do it more. Any quotes you're going to put out, do something all the time. And it's hard, but now that so many people can be reached through social media, you, you have to you have to make time in the day um, to build that clientele. Yeah. For me, I look at it this way. Um, I wasn't necessarily looking for more people. I was looking to sustain my customers. Okay. So keep them coming okay. back rather than building new ones. Keep them engaged yeah. in the game. Makes sense. The importance of the coaching programs, having them involved in what I'm doing, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and having them thinking about golf, especially with a place that plays golf yeah. for about five months outside the rest of the time is inside <laughs> that, really that right? still blows my mind five months of golf man you're in the wrong place mate. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah so right i mean i i have so to bad. do it right so i gotta do something and so i need to keep the people coming back to me i need to send out the newsletters i need to constantly make posts that they like, that they, that engages with them, so that they think about putting a golf club in their hand. You know, like we were saying earlier, now with being able to have golf simulation and stuff like that, we never had that really when I was a kid. Being able to do that now, you know, they can work on their golf game all winter long. Um, so, yeah, it's important to me developing those relationships and that that's the most that's the reason why i do social media it's not to get new customers it's great to have new customers but this is for the people that come to me the website is for the people that come to me so if i was going to pin that up as a quote take care of the the clients that you have properly and you won't need too many new customers if you've got good ones coming back all the time Exactly. Very cool. Yeah, if you got that, you know, they're going to tell their buddies, hey, go see Brent for more golf lessons. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, that doesn't have to be, I got a sale on whatever. It's not like that. Yeah. You know, the whole, this new thing that we've got going with MFG University, the, the online school of golf, which is the newest thing, you know, it took me four years to create. Uh, it was a lot of work. It's a lot of video work. I've done all the editing, all the website work, you know, all everything that you see on MikeFagoff.com. I've built myself. I've done everything, all the coding, everything wow, for it. Really cool. And that is like my gift to those guys. This stuff is for them. It's for them to remember how to set up to a golf ball. You know, there's over 200 some videos now in there, you know, and I keep adding in more every month and they can go back and ask me questions about it through private Facebook page, stuff like that and engage. But that is like my big gift to them. Really cool. Really cool idea. And it certainly is where we're um, certainly going into that online space. So that's, that's really cool. Right. Now, now, Mike, I could go on for another two hours talking to you. I think, yeah, but sure. um, there's some there's a, a few questions I like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast. So I've got a bit of a, a fast four at the end of the podcast. So I might get to those now, so okay. I don't keep you too long. I know it's fairly late over there, so and you've got family time, which is mm -hmm. heaps more important than doing a podcast with me. So definitely need to get you out back to your family. But the first question in the fast four is: any advice that you have for people starting out in the golf coaching field or in the golf coaching career advice for golf coaching learn all you can okay learn everything you can 
and then keep learning. That's the biggest thing. Honestly, every day I'm learning something. I'm learning a whole ton of stuff from every student I talk to because every player is different, what they do, feel, swing the club, whatever. Everybody's different, right? Just keep learning. That is the biggest thing. And never be discouraged. People will come to you if you make them better. That's it. They just will. They will come to you if you make them better. If you can't figure out how to make them better, they won't come to you. I mean, that's plain and simple things, right? If they enjoy their time with you and make them better, that's an extra bonus. Yeah, uh, that's really cool advice. I certainly like that. and It's certainly something that I subscribe to as well as that continued training, continuing with your, with your, with your learning pathway. I think that's really cool. So yeah, it's huge. Just down a slightly different path of that, but on a similar vein, advice for any any golfers. So advice for golfers in your sport. So the, the question's about athletes in your sport. So obviously we're talking to a mm-hmm. golf coach, that's so about golfers. So what advice mm-hmm. do you have to those aspiring golfers out there? Find a coach. Find someone that you really enjoy being around and makes you better and keep going to them. I think a lot of golfers don't take golf lessons because they're scared. I would, I would tend to agree with that. That yeah, is sure. the number one reason that I hear everybody. They're stare, scared of what the coach is going to say or tell them or do. Um, Don't be scared. <laughs> Find a coach. I, you know, we talked about this on podcast that I did with Matt Adams this past week. You know, he had the same question. Why do people, why are people afraid? I said, because they have to understand to take emotion out of it, Brent. If they take emotion out of it and let the coach show them why they're doing what they're doing and how to fix it themselves, it's a huge bonus. And once they get to that level, you've got, they're going to get way better. It's fun. Cool. So find a person that you connect with is certainly. That, that's the biggest thing you can do. Find someone that you really enjoy being around and makes you better. Certainly great advice there. So we've spoken a fair bit about your, your career pathway and how you, how you started out and how you've gone through to where you are now as a, 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 a successful golf coach out there in, in the coaching world. Would there, is there anything that you would change whether – a, a step or a path that you took at a certain stage of your career that you would change or are you quite happy with how things have progressed? I think I would have started doing, um, I probably would have started coaching sooner okay. in my career as a full-time part. You know, I was a head professional for a while, assistant professional for a while, you know, going back in the day. I probably would have switched over and done just coaching straight away sooner. Okay. I've really enjoyed it. I I did that to do coaching full-time change. I mean, um, cause I had too much on my plate. I was a head professional running golf courses and coaching a whole ton. And I had to give up one and I made a great choice for my family. Yeah. So I I wish I would have done this a long time ago. It takes a special person to be a coach, right? It does. And the way that I coach is I spend a lot of time with my players. Yeah. They are number one. So the social media gets in their, you know, on their phone, right? And they're engaging with me a lot. They're sending me texts. They're sending me emails. They're doing stuff with coach now they're doing you know all that kind of stuff so that i really enjoy that i enjoy them getting better i enjoy watching their successes whether it be the first time they make a par or the first time they break 80 or the first tournament they hoist you know first tournament they win in the trophy they hoist is fun and i i dig that i i really they they did the work I didn't do much for it, but I certainly enjoy when people have more fun playing golf. No, that's, that's cool. So being able to choose that pathway sooner, I think, is, is, um, is pretty good advice. Probably yeah. for me. 
when I look back on it after being, you know, being in the business for more than 20 some years, you know, I, I think I probably should have done this sooner, but Hey, yeah, you are where you are, are. and um, from based on those choices that you made to your career, if you had gone into early, you could have gone down a different pathway again. So, who knows? Absolutely. Who knows what would have happened? Absolutely. So, the final question in our in our 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 fast forward at the end of the end of the podcast is: Where do you see yourself or golf in the next five to ten years? So, you, you can answer for yourself or for golf in general, or you can answer both if you like. I think golf in general. I we're already seeing. We've talked about. Uh, women's golf growing and growing and growing. I think it's going to get better and better. Um, I think the technology now with apps and things like that and the use of your phone on the golf course is going to be very helpful to golfers. That's going to be pretty cool. For myself, I've already tried to stay ahead of the curve by creating things like MFG University and getting people online and doing stuff like that and teaching them online. That's gonna, that's already exploding. It's just gonna get more and more and more. Um, but nothing replaces being right in front of the coach, right? Yeah. I mean, technology can't replace human contact. So, you know, I think that those kinds of changes like that are continue to evolve and grow. I don't see a whole ton of golf courses being built. I just think that we can grow the game through communication and being in their face all the time. Cool. You know, I think that we need to do more of that. If we can do that more of that, we can grow the game more. Instead of just the Mr. Thompson, that was a nice lesson. I'll see you next year. <laughs> no, that's um, that's pretty cool. So you, you probably answered both parts of those questions there. So you see golf is going in that path, and you see yourself as being on the cutting edge of that to be developing those those areas. Trying to. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do stuff that. You know, I, I only listen to the people that I'm teaching, right? What do they want? You know, what do they want to to have? You know, I, I don't do it because someone else is doing it. I do it because this is what they want. Yeah. You know, their lives are changing drastically through the use of technology, right? So what do I ask them? What do they want? They wanted this. Took me a long time to build it, but I finally got it done. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, on, you know, they wanted this. Mikey, look at us and get it done quicker. Come they, on. It's almost like it's like my online book of yeah. stuff. They can go back in there and see a lot of stuff in there that I may have covered with them personally. I may not have. You know? I, I'm giving lessons now, people that, you know, booking lessons f for videos that they see on MFG University because we've never worked on that. I want to work on that. That's cool, right? It is, definitely. You planted that seed in that place, so you, you teach them a speciality shot and they want to learn that shot. They want to have me watch them do it. Very cool. You know, things like that. Um through that kind of technology, how else would I have done that? You know, thrown it up on YouTube, maybe, maybe not. It's just well, different. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I've had a, had a great time chatting to you again. As I said before, I could talk for another two hours, I think, with you. Um, we, we, um, we certainly have some fun every time we catch up. So where can people find you online if they're, they're hunting you down? Yes, uh, you can go to the website, MikeFagoff.com. On there, you can contact me through there or BoingGolf.com. Um, you're at the Boing Golf Academy. So, yeah, you can get, get in touch with me that way. And then MFG show live on a Sunday night. Yep, Sunday night uh, during the off-season. We host it um, 9 o'clock Eastern time here in the United States. And... Uh, you can watch it year-round, uh, you know, through the recordings on 
YouTube and you can go back and see the archives of all the shows we've done. And it's fun. And then also on, on the, just like this podcast, right? That's it. And iTunes and all that kind of stuff. So we put a recording of what we've done on there and yeah, it's cool. And you're also out on all the socials on Twitter and Instagram as well. I can certainly find you there. Twitter well. and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Oh, I'm not. Should I say it? Should I say that what we just did, Brent? I haven't even told you yet. Are you excited for this? You ready? <laughs> we just opened up another social media account. You haven't started TikTok ready for this? I started TikTok. Oh, yes, I did. No, I thought we were going to believe it. I don't believe it. It's been too old for TikTok. What's going on? No, no, <laughs> no. You know why? why? You know why I started Instagram, right? Yeah, because they appeal to a different demographic, I'm guessing. Because all the kids. Yeah. Wow. That's why I started Instagram, because of the kids. Now the kids are on TikTok. TikTok. You have to start with TikTok. I, I got to go put golf tips on TikTok and see what they say. Okay. I better, start, I better sign up for a TikTok account now. So Very good on there, right? That way I can engage with these kids and get them playing more golf, right? Because they're busy making all these goofy songs and I'm busy teaching them how to play golf. Awesome, mate. Well, again, thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate you taking the time out to come and chat to us and um, we will definitely catch up again really, really soon. And thanks again for your time. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it, Brian.